This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. Hello, Allison. Hey, Liz. We are glad you're here. You're not here here, but you're here on the phone because we're practicing good social distance, and uh, we're glad to have you. Today, we're going to talk about maintaining your car if you can't go anywhere um, between your vehicle repair questions. So let's get those phone calls and emails in. Uh, Allison, how are you doing? I see on social media you're super-duper busy working on things. Yeah, I've been I've been busy staying busy, but I, but with my line of work, I don't have to be in a big gathering of people, so I can I can keep moving along. So that's really good. My husband started working from home. He works for institutions of higher learning, and they sent everybody home two weeks ago to work from home so he hasn't driven anywhere i come uh, to and from the station a couple times a week but so if you don't drive your car very often how, how often do you need to start it drive it around the block um well i recommend if if you're not driving it at all right now every week or two just drive it or get it to operating temperature you don't particularly have to drive it but just crank it up and let the engine warm up to operating temperature and that's when your gauge is in the middle of your temperature gauge oh okay operating temperature yeah that's operating temperature and then just let it get up to that and then you know you should be okay after that no if it's longer than that you may want to put a battery minder on there to keep it keep your battery charged up a, a trickle charger on there but other than that that's uh, that's all you have to do so it's, it's it's not like you really have to stress out about it a whole lot on your car unless you were putting it up for months at a time well and uh, michelle has a question about all this hey liz I mean, hey liz hi liz hi allison what about your tires i've heard um riding tires or car sitting up your tires can deflate or inflate or uh, get worse or bad you know or, or sit if they're good they can get bad is that true that's a good question um so they can go bad on you but you definitely want to keep them aired up to the to, to the um pressure that they're supposed to be at which you can find what pressure it's supposed to be at inside your driver's side door when you open your driver's side door, there's a little decal there, a little sticker that says what pressure your tires are supposed to be. It also says what size tires you're supposed to have on your car. And keep them aired up to the right pressure if you don't want them to get like a lump in them from them getting low. And, uh, of course, keep an eye on them. If it looks like they're starting to get old and cracked on the outside of them, then it is time to replace them if, if they do start rotting. Now, what about all this tree pollen, Allison? Uh, how long can it sit uh, before you wash it off? Because if you're not going anywhere, it's not even getting blown off. Right, right. So I did a little research on that, and I was um, in- impressed to find out that uh, pollen is actually acidic. So when it gets on your car, it actually gets into the little cavities of your paint job and it erodes it and it causes oxidation to happen quicker 
which dulls your paint job and, and does pit and mess up your, your paint job. So pollen is not good to sit on your car. So the quicker you can get it off, the better. And, uh, and we can go over some tips on that, on how to get it off. But So pollen is not good to sit on your car as long as it's any longer than you can let it stay on there and uh, because of how it does your paint job. Well, I think if, uh, you know, people have a house, then they can get a hose in a bucket. Or if they go to a self-serve car wash, they could uh, wash it off. Or, you know, there are some some guys who come around. There used to be a guy who came out to the, the MPB area and would detail and wash your car. I haven't seen him in a while. But uh, or you could do the, the drive through. That's always fun, maybe fun and romantic. <laughs> Michelle yeah. has a has a car wash comment. I do have a question, Allison. I don't know if you can answer yeah. this one, but speaking of drive through car washes, we're changing the subject just a little bit. Are they good for your car? Because I've heard uh, from other people, I wouldn't, because I'm an avid drive through pay $20 and get my car washed, tires shined in the whole nine. But yeah. I do notice that sometimes I see scratches on my car that I didn't put there. And I think even though the uh, soft brushes now, they call them the soft brush wash. Do that? Can they mess up a paint job? Yeah, well, they do. They do scratch your car. So you want to go through the brushless kind, touch just, free. I touch think free they call just it. the water, right? No, no, um, round right. big blue thing <laughs> hitting your car. Even that's, the ones that slap right. it, because I was thinking when I'm in the car wash, even though they say soft touch, it's still a blue flap flapping, hitting my car. I'm like, what is this doing? a car that has debris in it. Right. That okay. has not been rinsed off itself. So, yeah, it will it will scratch your car up. And it'll, it'll put some pretty good scratches on it, too. Because I'm like, I know I'm not going crazy. I see scratches that I didn't put there. I'm like, I think this car wash yeah. just did it. Can't sue them, though, right? That's, that's what did it. And even the brush at where you brush it yourself, those get nasty and dirty. So the, the proper way to wash your car is it's uh, either with a clean, a clean, clean, clean brush or a microfiber washcloth. And that's after, well, the appropriate thing to do is clay bar your car and get all the debris out. But that's labor intensive. Wait, so wait, wait. What was that word? It's clay bar your car. You get a, a piece of clay, basically, that's made for cars, and you rub it on your paint job, and it gets all the little rocks and little things out of your car. That's after soaping it off really good first. Okay. So, so there's, there's a whole process to actually to really, truly do a good job on washing your car. But as far as just quickly, just soak it up really, really good with actual car wash, um, that you can get from the auto parts store. Do not use uh, Dawn dish soap. <laughs> that takes the wax off soap. or something? It dulls your paint job. Okay. It, it does. It, it's it's too strong for your car. It's not formulated for paint. Well, good goodness, we could paint. do an entire show on washing your car, but with the pollen now, how how often should you wash it off once a week? Should you wash it off every couple of days? Did you did your research? Uh, did you find anything about that? I didn't find out how often to do it, but I would in from. From what I'm reading about it, how it messes up your paint job, that makes me nervous. So don't let it sit. And if, if you have access to a, a, just a, 
water hose, just rinse it off is enough. Just, you know, spray it off really hard with your water. And, like, you can use just water. You don't particularly have to pull out the soap bucket and everything and just rinse it off before you drive away so that your car will dry off or go ahead and dry it off right there. That That's just a little tip for me is how I dry off my car is I actually drive it and get some air flow going and and let it let the wind clip, dry it off instead of with the towel and drying it. But, but yeah, go ahead and rinse it off as often as you feel comfortable doing that or as often as you can to keep it keep it off of your car. Um, it does get into crevices and so like if you pop your trunk you're gonna see pollen down in there. That you're gonna have to hand wipe out and and get out of there. So that that's a little more labor intensive than just rinsing off your car, but you will get it all out of all the little crevices and everything. Because the pollen does it gets right in the cracks of your car everywhere. So when you open up your door, you'll see the pollen inside your door jam and so nasty stuff. It gets everywhere, as we all know. Yeah, I've seen it in the the rubber gasket area of the trunk and the hood. And then I like to wear long skirts. So a lot of times when I'm getting in, you know, there's part of the car that's painted when you open the door. And, you know, a lot of times that's all yucky ducky. Yep, mm-hmm, that's what it is. It's getting up in there in, in those cracks and getting nasty. If you have a problem with your vehicle, uh, ask us a question. Maybe someone else does, too. More tips to maintain your car from home? Send your emails to auto at mpbonline.org. Is your car under recall? We've got a list of ones that are next. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic. I'm Liz Gill. If you want even more AutoCorrect, find our podcast on all podcasting platforms for your smart devices. Here are the recalls since we last met. The 2019 Volkswagen Artean, A-R-T-E-O-N, the 2020 Chevrolet Silverado HDs, GMC's Sierra HDs, the 2019-2020 Volvo Cars, SUVs and Wagons, 2017 and 2018 Land Rover Discovery, 2020 Toyota Highlander, 2020 Infiniti Q60, 2019 Uh, 2017 through 2019 Audi Q7 and Q8, the 2020 Lamborghini 
Aventure SVJ. I want someone with a Lamborghini to give us a call. I just want to hear about somebody who owns a Lamborghini. Allison, that was so fun when we've had people uh, call during um, uh, the, 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 what was the, that it's in Natchez and um, the Eurofest, hearing hearing some of those car owners call. those That's very interesting. Uh, the 2019 through 2020 Audi A6 and the 2014-2016 Ford Fiesta Infusion and Lincoln MKZ. You can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration's website, nhtsa.gov slash recalls and inputting your VIN number. And remind, Allison, remind everybody where they can find their VIN number. You can find it on, you can, when you open up your car door, there's a little identification card, too. You've got two little stickers on your car. The one, the tire that I told you about before, and then you have another one that has your VIN number on it and other information about how much your car weighs and that sort of thing, where it was manufactured and whatnot. And also on the dash in front of your steering wheel on the on the car up under the windshield. And you can see a little placard there that has your VIN number also. In addition to that, it's on your registration information for your insurance and for registration information that you should have in your glove compartment. All right. We are talking about maintaining your car from home, but we're also taking your vehicle repair questions. And we've got one. Here is Mike from Corinth. Mike, thanks so much for giving us a call today. You're on AutoCorrect. Thank you. I enjoy your show. Uh, I have changed out my 12-volt cranking batteries on regular cars in the past, uh, but I have a 2009 Toyota Prius. Is there anything different or extra that I would have to do to change out the 12-volt cranking battery on my Prius? Yeah, well, I have a 2009 Prius, too, as you all heard me mention before on the show. And it's actually in the back of the car on the right when you open up your hatch back there. It's down on the right, and it's a small 12-volt battery. And it, I had to take mine out one time in the dead cold on the side of the street, and I had my little toolbox with me, and I had no problem getting it in and out. So it's easy process, and it's pretty much almost as simple as getting it out from up under the hood, maybe just a little bit harder because it's down in a cavity a little bit, but it was still it was still really easy, and I was able to get it in and out quickly. So it's the same situation as a regular car, except this one is in the back of the vehicle in the hatch on, on the right, and that's the only difference. So same process as a regular car, and it's, it's easy. Okay. I, I didn't know. I had had it changed uh, years ago, probably five years ago, and okay. uh, a Toyota dealer charged me $300. Oh wow! Well, that seems that's a that's a that's very high for the twelve volt battery when it's just it's a little battery and it's easy to get in and out. So I think that's maybe a little little high on their pricing there. I'm not real sure why they charge that much, but that but the twelve volt battery. I mean, you can pick up one for a hundred and fifty bucks and put it in yourself fairly quickly. And well, there's, there's nothing extra, nothing out to turn off or anything. 
Right. Yeah, there's no hybrid system you have to shut down or anything. This is, the 12-volt system is completely separate from all of that. It's charged by your hybrid system, but it's separate from it as far as all the wiring and everything. When you get in there, you'll see it's wired up. Everything looks just like a regular battery on on a car. There's nothing special that you have to do. On so I, don't, the, I don't have to turn off a hybrid system. You don't. That's right. That's a that's in a, another location that's behind the back seat of the car. You don't have to fool with any of that. Just the okay. same process as you would for for a regular car on a 12 volt battery. Are there YouTube videos? I'm sure there are. Yeah, I'm I'm, sure, I'm certain there are for for the battery on the high, the 12 volt battery on a hybrid. I'm certain of it. So it's just there's it's so easy to do. So, yeah, that should help you out. Good, What's the normal life of a cranking battery on a press, do you know? Why do they have it on there? No, I mean, what's what's the normal life? How many years? Oh, normal life. Well, it does, as the battery starts wearing down, your gas mileage does start going down on a hybrid, which is different than a regular car because it's charging it from the hybrid system. So you should get better gas mileage with the, once you change the battery. But as far as the life of it goes, um, it really it depends on how much you pay for your battery. If you get a cheaper battery, they're not their warranty isn't doesn't last as long, and they're usually they're recycled, so they're chart they don't last as long. They usually last about a year these days. If you get a cheaper battery, if you get one that costs a little more, expect two to three years service. They don't last as long as they used to, like I said, because they're mandated by law to be recycled because we, as uh, car users, we go through them quickly, so they they implemented uh, mandatory recycling on them. So batteries don't really last as, as long as they used to, or you shouldn't expect them to. So a good two to three years on a battery is normal these days. Okay, I really appreciate your help, and I enjoy your show. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Mike. If you find yourself at home with a little bit of extra time and you want to learn more about your car, Allison, give us uh, what's one way someone could learn more about their specific car? One thing you can do, and we've mentioned it on the show before, is to find a forum that's specific for your car. And that way, in sign in and log in and get a, get a user ID and password and all that, it's always simple on the forums. And ask questions, or you can search their database for a question that may have already been answered on there that you have. And that's a wealth of information. That is a really, really good uh, uh, thing. I've I've found lots of tips and tricks while searching for specific things for my cars. Yeah, that, that's a really good one. And then, of course, YouTube these days is, is amazing for working on cars. I use it occasionally, um, depending on what I'm doing. And it's so that's a wealth of information. You can literally just Google your problem and it can it'll pull up videos. But also just Googling your problem in general. Like literally put in what you would ask a mechanic and put in your make and model and what year it is and you can get a wealth of information like that also. 
which is which is great these days with the internet and there's so much information out there now it can get a little bit difficult to decipher what people are saying sometimes and to understand what's good information or what's bad information unfortunately there's nothing that can help that that just takes the experience to know exactly what people are talking about on there sometimes there is a little bit of bad information out there occasionally so you know to to navigate that can be a little bit difficult but overall you'll learn a lot about your car and there's just a wealth of information um other than that if you start getting into diy stuff and working on your car yourself you can get a haynes manual from any auto parts store or chilton they have the chilton manuals too they're pretty much the same and it's just like a basic beginner study on your car to kind of get you get your feet wet on diagnosing it what problems you may have it's got a diagnostic list of problems if your car's not starting and that sort of thing a list of things to go through and that's extremely helpful and really great to get people started on working on their own car if they're interested in that well and then don't forget our absolute favorite method Read your owner's manual. <laughs> and read your owner's manual. Yes, it's a wealth of information. Oh, and Allison, someone heard my plea. Someone has called in and heard my plea. Let's go to Oxford and talk to Chico. Chico, thank you for calling in to AutoCorrect. How are you doing today? Good morning, y'all. I'm enjoying this day in Mississippi. Yeah, it is. It's pretty today. Now, uh, you, you wanted to hear about a Lamborghini? Yeah. How did yeah. you get one? Why did you pick one? Can I go riding <laughs> with well, you? Well, <laughs> I don't have a Lamborghini at the moment. At the <laughs> but, moment. Right, right. But in 1992, I was hitchhiking in Italy and was picked up in a Lamborghini. Oh, nice. Did you have yeah. to show some leg, Chico? <laughs> it was August. I was showing leg anyway. Well, that... I, was, I was on my way to Rome, and I was in Pisa, and I was out on the highway, and I got picked up in a Lamborghini, and I wasn't sure if it was a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, but it was a Lamborghini, and I got in, and it was a member of Italy's, I guess, parliament. I'm not sure exactly what they're called. And... Dude was the scariest ride I had in a year of hitchhiking in Europe. He flew oh, to Rome. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know if he was trying to impress me, but he did. So anyway, <laughs> there's my Lamborghini story. Oh, I love that, Chico. Thank you so much. That that reminds us uh, uh, of the story. What's the name of that race again? The Milo. Yeah, that uh, we had them on the show uh, a few months ago, maybe in in, in October. That uh, oh 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 yeah, the race through the race through Italy. We've got yeah. dreams. Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about what you can do yourself to maintain your car from home, and we're taking more of your car repair questions next. What's an unreliable car not to buy? We're going to get to that in a bit. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. 
no matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, is our expert. I'm Liz Gill, and I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click support and make a contribution. We rely on contributions to purchase our national programming and to keep the lights on here. So thank you so much for your contributions to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Consumer Reports has a list of vehicles that have a record of much worse than average overall reliability based on subscriber responses to their annual auto survey. Today, we're going to caution you about, I'm very, very sad to say, the Dodge Grand Caravan 2008 (laughs) to 2011 and 2005. And Allison is giggling because we both own these cars, although mine is a 2007. And yours is a 99. Okay, so, so we can just say all year. <laughs> we we don't, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. So you have to weigh these things. So you have to consider reading up on the reliability of this car or any car before purchasing it as a used car. Suggest Consumer Reports. Carcomplaints.com is another resource for unreliable reliable car lists. If you're interested in reviews of new cars, Casey Williams is the automotive correspondent for WFYI, a public radio station in Indianapolis. He's reviewed cars and covered the auto industry for 25 years. His review this week is on the, he's got quite a few. Uh, It's a 2020 Subaru Legacy, the 2020 Lincoln Corsair, and a review of Consumer Reports suggestions for standard terms for auto safety gear. I think everybody has a different turn term for their lane assist business. But uh, Chris, Chet, and James, hang on. We're going to go to Homer first, who's calling from Lyon. Homer, thanks for calling into AutoCorrect. Go ahead. Hey. Hey, how you doing? We are great. Enjoying the show. Uh, Allison, quickly, I have a I'm, I'm the guy with the Dodge Dakota, okay? Uh, you got the light six, but I've got a problem now. I know you say you race cars. Um, yeah. In the morning time, when it's cool, I know you've heard the term jump. Sound like an engine is going to jump time. It's, it, it cranks a little rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what this truck is doing. It did not do that at first. Now, the other night I got on and looked with the lights in a dark place. I see, look like I might need some spark plug wires because I saw a little bit of flashing. Uh, I did move them around and zip tied them up away from metal the other day, yesterday. Uh, do you, and, it, and and once I get it started up, and sometimes it, I go out and I crank it and it just, Turns over, perfect. Other mornings I go out, I engage the start, and it just, it's real rough. It looked like the motor want to turn backwards, but once I get it heated up and get it running, uh, it cranks up perfect the rest of the day. Huh. 
Well, I, I have to wonder if you do need some more wires on it. But um, I'm not sure what's going on with that. I'd have to look into it when it's when it's actually right. rough and try to figure out what's going on. Because it's, it's like an intermittent problem on there. That yeah. is interesting problem, though. I, I wish I had an answer for you. I'd have to check that out myself, I believe. Do you think I could take it somewhere and let them actually put a timing light on it to see maybe has something, the timing has moved a little bit on the distributor? What year vehicle is yours? It's a 203 Dakota with a 6.9 at V6. I mean, I mean a 3.9, I'm sorry. 3.9 V6, and it still mm-hmm. it has a distributor on it. It's the old style. It doesn't have the coal on plug. Well, it might have a car. I'm not a mechanic, gal. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I'm just if it if it if it does not have a distributor on it, I mean, could it still? Is it still a possibility that time could move? No, it's adjusting itself. Then, so um, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm thinking something else is going on there. Maybe a fuel delivery problem or something like that. It's intermittent. You're having like an intermittent problem. It's not happening every time you crank it up, which can be a little bit higher to harder to track down on um, what's going on with it. So I am not real sure without okay. looking into that when it's actually happening. But you can okay. have a place look at it, or, or, or like if you or an independent shop and uh-huh. have them keep it overnight or something like that and see if they can get duplicate the problem and, and figure it out then. That's a good idea on that. You get a shop that you trust to do that. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Good show. Thank you. Thank you. Homer, we're glad that you called in, and we hope you can get that uh, checked out. Let's now go to Chet in Corinth. Uh, Chet, uh, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect. Go ahead. Yes, I had a question about automatic transmissions, and I get different opinions on the Internet, but it's a 2003 Toyota Celica. Should the transmission fluid be changed? I've got one of those vacuums that pulls the fluid out through the dipstick, but I just wanted your opinion on whether that's a good idea or not, opinions on the Internet. Yeah, okay. Well, um, I absolutely love that because then when you – because when you're draining it out from under the car, it does get messy. I swear every time I spill transmission fluid it, 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 a little bit, it, you know, even though I'll go to great lengths to try to keep it from getting on my concrete. And it's transmission fluid stinks. <laughs> and oh, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard to get out of your clothes. I've gotten it in my hair, and it's a mess, and uh, it's just nasty stuff. But so the, the sucking it up out of the drain pan is a, is awesome. I, I I love those systems, and I'd love to have one. I don't have one currently, but um, they they are really nice to use. And then just a tip that I like for changing transmission fluid or differential fluid is to measure how much fluid comes out in a bucket with measurement quart measurements on it. And oh, yeah. that way you know exactly how much to put in, and then you can check it and see if you need to add a little bit more after after you've already put the transmission fluid back into your car. So, yes, I do love those systems. They're, they're fantastic. They, can, they help keep the mess down. Yeah, Tractor Supply has them. It's like a hand-pop type. 
uh, thing, but they're about forty dollars at Tractor Supply. Oh, but not bad. Okay. It wasn't any ill effects I done it. Uh, so just I guess make sure I put the same specification fluid back. Would that be the main thing? I'm saying again. Uh, do I need to just as long as it's compatible fluid? It, it wouldn't matter what brand. I don't guess would it. No, just as long as it's the right type of fluid. You definitely want to make sure it's the right type, and you can figure that out from auto parts store. You can get them to look up your vehicle and get the right type fluid in there. For an older Toyota like that, I'm not sure what fluid they would put in put in it. I don't know if it's global or whatnot, but okay. um, yeah, you'd want to go to the auto parts store. That's, that's who I use, or I call Toyota directly and have your VIN number ready when you call a dealership and have them tell you what kind of fluid to use. Or you can get it from Toyota. Usually the price is uh, it's not a huge, huge difference on transmission fluid for most fluids these days. Just okay, uh, well, to well, keep well, from well, having it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Chet. We're so glad you've called in. Now we're going to move on to James in Water Valley. James, thanks for calling into AutoCorrect today. How are you? Well, I'm doing okay. It's my truck that's not doing so well. Uh-oh. Let's see what we can do about that. Okay. Uh, I have a, a 2000 Chevy with about you know quarter of a million miles on it, uh, and it will start up. But immediately go dead, you know, run for a fraction of a second and then go dead. And uh, I talked to a mechanic that's about a quarter of a mile away, and he said it was some kind of a computer brain that cost about $1,000 itself in a plus installation. But what is he talking about? Huh. Um, well, your car does have an ECU um, computer in your car that runs everything i don't feel like that's the problem with your car i feel like you need to have it diagnosed with someone else who's not making assumptions who's actually looked at it and maybe gone a little further with with testing before they came up with uh, a really high repair cost like that because the computers are expensive but they are like the brain of your car for sure they are. Everything runs off of them, just about. Um, and so, but to recommend that is needing to be replaced without maybe looking at it further. I, I would say I'd want to get it diagnosed uh, more thoroughly before I decide that it's the computer on the vehicle. Um, it could be a fuel pump delivery problem, you, you, you know, like it's, it's shutting off or something like that. So, it could be something else, hopefully cheaper than a thousand. That's that's what I was hoping. Yeah, yeah I'd get a second opinion on that, possibly a third. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll see what it, somebody else thinks about it. Okay, I do. Thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. Thank you, James. Let's now go to Chris in Hattiesburg. Hey, Chris, thanks for calling into AutoCorrect today. Go ahead. Hi, I was calling in um, about the gentleman that had the uh, battery problem with his Prius, I believe it was. Uh, I ride motorcycles. Batteries just aren't made the way they used to be made. So what I do is I put a trickle charger on my my battery on my motorcycle at least once every three weeks or so. And 
I've had the same battery for years and years. I mean, it it seems to do the trick. Really? That's interesting. Now, I've heard of people recharging batteries from trickle charging them. Um, batteries that had gone dead, and you leave them on a trickle charger, and it'll it will charge them up. But that's that's Whatever. really interesting. And I guess does that that works for any battery? I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, once a battery goes dead, you know, it it, it kind of uh, affects the cells, so that whenever you recharge them, the cells aren't as I guess powerful as they they were before. So if you stay ahead of it, then it, it's kind of just maintaining your cells a lot better. That makes any sense. Yeah, right. And, and I, uh, for people out there listening to it, your battery has little cells in there, and as they're charging and, and decharging, they um, it does wear off those plates, the material that's on there. I forget what it's called, the, the material that's on the, the plates that make charges happen on there and slowly over time that does erode and that's why your battery eventually doesn't work as well anymore but so I see what you're saying where you can trickle charge it and keep that from happening so quickly that's that's pretty interesting and also lithium batteries are like I think that uh, for motorcycles you get like 500 starts out of a regular battery I think lithium batteries are about 5,000 starts they're a lot more oh wow but it's better being stranded somewhere. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> awesome. Well, I enjoy the show, guys, and uh, y'all have a great day. Thank you. You do the same. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate you calling in. We've been discussing maintaining your car from home and taking your car repair questions. You can always send us an email to auto at mpbonline.org. Hang on, Curtis and John. What's in the news? That's next. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is AutoCorrect. If you have missed any of our live program, remember you can listen to the whole show at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Now, what's in the news? Uh, you know, this is some some good, some bad. Anyway, America's highway safety regulators, a uh, week before last, suspended daily driving limits for truck drivers. Hauling medical supplies, personal and other necessary items for battling the current outbreak. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administrations had put those regulations in place to protect fatigued truckers from making a potentially fatal error in their multi-ton vehicles. So if you're out there driving, we are so thankful that our truckers can deliver all of these uh, badly needed materials from you know one part of the country to the other, but please be careful because they may not have had as much federally mandated sleep 
as they should get. I am Liz Gill with Lady Auto Mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. We've got two more phone calls, Allison. Let's go to John in Pontotoc. John, uh, thanks for calling into AutoCorrect. Go ahead. Well, I might change something a little bit. My, my problem is I've been a, owning a tire holder for the last 45 years. And I, I bought, the last tire holder I bought was a, a 2011. My wife had an accident last week and told it. And that was our retirement car. So I, I checked on the tire holder prices, and to me, I'm looking at between a, 20, a 2016 and a 2017, and the tire is a little more than I want to pay because I'm retired, but both of us are retired. So I was looking at the Mazda 6. You know what, can she tell me anything about a Mazda 6? Yeah. Um, Mazdas are really nice vehicles. You know, most of them are made in Japan. I know actually. I had to, I had to, the, M, the MX-5, a, a 2006, yeah, I had to get I rid of that, that. I had to replace that. I couldn't get was in that a good it. car for you? Is that was that a good was car, a good yeah, car but, I'm, but now I didn't know that. I, I looked at the tower, like I said, that's a little more than I want to spend for the tower. So the Mazda 6, a, two, a 2017 or a 2018, looked like the way I'm going to have to go, I think. But I don't yeah, know they're, they're, they're great cars. I, I highly endorse Mazda. They, um, they do a great job on making vehicles. And just to give you a tip, you can also look at carcomplaints.com and look to see problem areas for any car that you look at. Because even Toyota's not perfect. They, they've had problems with different engines. Oh, yeah, they had problems, but I've, I've owned them for, I've kept them most of the time 15 years. And, and I really, oh, yeah. to me, it was a great car. I don't know. So, but That's awesome. Was your, was your wife okay new. in the accident? She had an accident, yes. And, She's okay. Oh yeah, the the airbag did a job on it. But besides that, everything was fine. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Well, well yeah. I do. I do endorse Mazda. I do. I do really like their products, like a lot. Um, they're they're one of my favorite vehicle manufacturers for sure. Yeah, so I just I, happened I, to see I, a guy driving one last weekend, and I asked him about it. And he said he he thought it was the best thing in the world he ever did. Oh wow! So, That's there you right, go. So, all right, then. Well, John, I would suggest, because I just read an article about an hour ago, um, the auto dealers are staying open, but they're lonesome. So if you want to read a good negotiating uh, article and, and, and prepare yourself with a strategy, this might be an excellent time to make a deal if you're going to go through a, a dealership to, to get a new or a used car. Right, I'd rather do it that way because I want some kind of warranty, you know. So, I, like I said, me and my wife, I'm, I, I don't know why I sound like it now, but I'm 74 years old and she's 72, but. No, you definitely don't sound like you're that old. Curtis, call us. Sound young. Curtis, call us back in a week or two and tell us how you're uh, negotiating uh, during uh, during this time. Tell us if you think like you've got an extra good deal or not. Okay, I will do that. All right. I'm sorry, John. Right. John, yeah, you tell us that. All I know right. You call me crazy, but I don't, I don't do it. <laughs> okay, thanks, John. We appreciate you calling. Now let's go to Curtis. Curtis, thank you for calling into AutoCorrect. Go ahead. Yes, I have a, a 91 Chevy Caprice, and I had it for a long time. Uh, replaced the motor and all the sensors. And when I drive it for about 20 minutes, the car was just cut cut off. Uh, I could put it in neutral and crack it back up, 
Could you send me uh, your thoughts on that? What will cause that? And you said uh, that was a 91 Civic? A 91 Civic Caprice. Uh, it's fuel injected. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Um. Huh. Wow. On an older car like that, I have no idea. When... When it's actually happening is when I would want to diagnose it when it turns off like that and actually look into it then. Um, as far as what could be causing that, that there's multiple things that could be causing causing that. So, unfortunately, that may be a little bit of a difficult one to track down. Allison, what would be some things you would be you would listen for or? Uh, that might lead you to select one thing or another? Well, usually there's a, a little port that you can check on top of your engine to see if you're getting fuel to the top of your engine. It's a, it's called a Schrader valve. It's the same kind of valve that's on your tires, and you can push it in on the middle and see if fluid squirts out. That's one way to check to see if you're getting fluid to the top of your engine. So when it actually shuts off, that's one of the first things to do is we'll pull over and check and see if it's getting fuel to the top of the engine. So that's one of the first things I would check. Um, another is look for loose connections or something, a problem area somewhere in in your electrical system with your ignition. So, you know, you want spark, fire, you know, air. So these basic things are what you would want to check on, a, especially on an older car like that. It's still a car that's still m- more basic than vehicles with these later vehicles that have security systems and these other things that will shut down a car. But um, so that's those are the things that I would start checking for, your basics on that. But something you might want to do if you're looking into working on it yourself is getting a Haynes manual or a Chilton manual that may help figure out this problem on your car. It may point you in a direction that that will help you figure it out if you're doing it yourself. Okay. Uh, do you think it could be a fuel pump? Possibly, or, or the relay, the fuel pump relay is acting up on there. So for some reason, maybe it's cutting out fuel on it. You say you drive it for 20 minutes and it cuts off, so maybe something in your fuel pump's acting up or trying to die on you, possibly. Um, so that's that's one possible. For some reason, it's it's shutting off, and I have to wonder if that's fuel. Fuel is shutting off, and you're not getting fuel to your car, or for some reason, your ignition system is acting up and it's and it's shutting off your ignition system you want to look for spark once it shuts off too and see if that's what's going on if you're comfortable with checking for spark so that's kind of where i would start at okay okay thank you curtis we're so glad that you've called in uh, you know, we've just got a few minutes later. If you're at home, this would be the good time to open the glove box and pull out those maintenance receipts and the oil change receipts to make sure you have uh, good information on how you've maintained your car. Allison, I-, I hope you stay healthy till next week. 
Yeah, thank you. I'm trying. You too. All right. That's going to wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect, our call screener. I think it's been Jay White and Michelle McAdoo. We've been so busy. We appreciate them. It's team effort here at MPB. So for Allison Walker, who you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as The Lady Auto Mechanic, and also as Allison Walker, I am Liz Gill. We hope you join us each Thursday at 10 a.m. for AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 